Hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of Nintendo Everything Refresh. This is the official podcast of NintendoEverything.com and we're here to refresh your memory on what is new and exciting in the world of Nintendo. Uh, we've got a mix of news stories, some, some games, some impressions, some hype this week. So uh, thank you so much for tuning in. And if you've been with us the past five episodes, we're on episode six now. Uh, thanks so much for coming back. Uh, just a quick reminder, we are now on all of these streaming services. So if you'd rather listen to us there, go check us out on Spotify or Apple Music or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, it's not just me here. We have got Dennis Gagliardato. Say hi, Dennis. Hello, hello. We've got Louise Estrella. Hey, everyone. And we've got Nicholas Shade. Hello, everyone. All right. Well, we've got a lot to talk about this week, uh, so let's just get right into it. Um, there's any week that a Nintendo first-party game comes out is a big week, and we've talked a little bit about it uh, in previous episodes, but it's finally out. Nintendo Switch Sports, uh, kind of the sequel of sorts to the Wii Sports era of games. And uh, Louise, you've been playing this game uh, for a while now, haven't you? Yeah, uh, I've bought the, the digital version of the game on launch. And uh, so far, I've been having a lot of fun, actually. Uh, the game is kind of thin on the offerings. We have just uh, some sports and there's not a lot of options of how to play those sports. Like, for example, tennis, you can only play with doubles which is similar to eSports, but I would like to see more options. But so far, the, the gameplay is what you would expect from those games. And uh, it's really fun to play with friends, to play with family. Uh, it's the kind of game that any person can understand because they already know how the sports work. So it's like you don't have to explain a lot about it. And uh, so far, I think my favorites... I, I've been quite surprised because I saw some reviews and uh, in some reviews, they didn't like uh, volleyball and soccer. And those actually, I think, are my favorite, <laughs> the new ones. <laughs> I had a lot of fun with volleyball. I think I really like the way that they managed to simulate the, the feeling of actually playing volleyball with the... Oh, I, I won't say the names of the, of the movements that you make on volleyball in English, but I, I think they really managed to recreate the experience of, of, of playing volleyball. And uh, soccer, you really don't play like soccer. It plays more like Rocket League, but it is still yeah. is really fun. I like uh, it's the one that I probably most most played on the online, because uh, it's four versus four, so it's quite fun to play online mode. So so far nothing crazy, but I think the game uh, does well what he what he sets out to do. You know, I think it's not like a very ambitious game. But so far, it's really good. With that said, I'm looking forward to see more updates. We know that golf is coming, but I want to see more modes, uh, maybe other sports beyond golf. But so far, pretty solid. Yeah, that's that kind of echoes what I've heard. Is that you know it's a little thin on content at the moment, but overall, if this is the type of game you're looking for, it's probably going to check most of the boxes for you. Yeah, Dennis, you said you've been playing this game as well. 
That's right. Yeah, I played a little bit of it, and uh, yeah, pretty much. I mean, everything Louise said was uh, spot on. Um, there's only six different sports at the moment, um, and but I agree with him entirely. Where I think uh, volleyball and soccer are probably the best ones. Um, well, actually, I take that back. So soccer is definitely my favorite one, but right behind that is uh, bowling. Actually, I love bowling for some reason. <laughs> and ever since the original Wii Sports, I've just been addicted to bowling. So, um, but I do love volleyball very much um, as well. I think the one I like the least, which is probably the one everyone seems to like the least, um, is the one you hear the least about, is the sort of, uh, I forgot the actual term for it, but it's pretty much like fencing, kind of, um, whatever. Sh Shambara? There we go. That's the one. That's the one, yeah. Sounds so fancy. Um, <laughs> it does, yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, that one's, it's not, like, bad. I mean, I, I, still have fun with it um but it's definitely the least uh engaging uh for me it's definitely you know the one that i don't even really think about when i'm like okay what am i going to play next you know like unless it's something that pops up on random um it, it's not something I, I actively go out of my way to to play um but yeah no it's it's enjoyable um it's definitely feels like a product that has been released a little bit too early um if you ask me there is a lack of well uh, there it's lacking a lot but um but when you compare a game like Wii Sports that came out in what 2005 2006 um to a game now that we have in 2022 and Wii Sports had just significantly more depth to it in terms of tutorials and really? medals and things to achieve uh, towards, yeah, like there's no medals or anything like that. Basically, your sort of drive to keep playing and uh, get better is uh, they incentivize you through these gifts. And every time you play a match, but you can only do this online though, that's the weird thing. Locally, you don't get points for this for some odd reason. Um, but online, uh, you get anywhere between like 30 to 40 points if you win or lose. Um, and if you lose, you still get a decent amount of points. So, you know, you don't feel bad for losing. You still get rewarded to some degree. Um, but, yeah, and then with those points, every time you accrue 100 or more, that gives you an option for a gift. Now, these gifts are randomly selected. At the moment, there's two different styles to choose from. They have a cute style. Uh, it's literally called cute style, and then another one's called what was the other one? Fancy style, maybe something like that. And, and these are like uh, clothes and hairstyles and things like that. Uh -huh. I think they are okay. not otherwise urban, urban style. Not one hundred percent sure. Okay. Okay. What? Yeah, I couldn't remember <laughs> what the other one was. Uh, Interesting. I couldn't remember what the other one was at all, but uh, but either way, like they were really nice. I personally am a big fan of the sort of redesign of Mies, if you can call them that, um, the Me 2.0s, I guess. I know there was a lot of sort of discourse um, around that uh, when they were first revealed through the trailer, but personally, I like them a lot. I think they have a lot of charm to them. I think they're really cute, and the way that you can design them, uh, personally, I believe, is just so much better than the regular Mies. However, they're not as detailed as the Mies, and by detailed, I don't mean necessarily in terms of graphical fidelity, but I just mean in terms of, like, what you can do, right? Like, with Mies, I mean, how many, like, you know, uh, QR codes went out where you could download Mies of, like, you know, people, famous people, you know, people, because you can make all these different sort of styles and looks to create 
you know, real people or characters from anime or video game characters, you know, and then, but with this, you can't really do that. You just have a sort of a very small selection of hairstyles, a small selection of clothing. Everything's such a, such a small offering that you don't really have that sort of creative flexibility. Um, but it, it does, uh, it does seem kind of light on content to me. And I'm, I don't, you know, it, I mean, I think that's just even in comparison to, like in my head, you know, I'm thinking, okay, if I wanted a successor to the Wii Sports era games, I want something that is at least as big as Wii Sports Resort. That game had a fair absolutely. amount of single player content. Uh, I thought it was pretty replayable. Um, didn't have online play or anything, but um, I, I felt like that game was really like a huge expansion of like the original Wii Sports. And to me, this seems like it's almost taking a step back and saying, no, we're going to scale scale things back a little bit and just focus on a few sports and customization and online play and that's about it. Which, you know, for some people I'm sure that's that's all they need. But um, it's funny to me, Dennis, when you're like, oh, this, this game came out too early. Because I, I totally get what you're saying, but in my mind I was like, oh, this game, I think it came out too late. I, I think they released this game about four or five years too late. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, look, I, I, this is definitely, this game definitely should have been a launch title, right? Like, this definitely should have been something that mimicked the Wii, right? Especially with the way the Switch, when you look at its life cycle and, like, what's been happening and uh, in terms of, like, sales especially and how much it's been mirroring the sort of success of the Wii, uh, you would think that a game like that would be a launch title, right? It's a no-brainer. You got these two Joy-Con, just like you had the Wii, um, the Wii remotes, right, and you can just hand one off to another person, and then you, all you need is that one, you motion controls, and you just go to town, right? And instead, what did we, what did we get on launch is we got one to switch. But we won't talk about that. No, but, not, not again. But, <laughs> no, no, not again. Yeah. Not again. Uh, we won't so talk about Nicholas, that. Nicholas, I'm, I'm curious. You've been, you've been eerily silent back there. Um, I'm wondering, <laughs> is, is this silence coming from you're just blown away by this game, or is this silence coming from, yeah, it's not for me. Um, more of the latter, sadly. Uh, I wish I had more interest in it, but I've just been kind of burned on some of these, like the similar offerings that Nintendo have had, uh, namely Mario Tennis Aces. Those kind of multiplayer games that they've put focus on in the past with the Switch, and I guess with the late Wii U era, where they just don't have enough single-player content. And uh, like we've mentioned, some people are going to get really into the multiplayer. They're going to play that a lot. They're going to just spend so much time getting all the ranks on everything. I'm not one of those people that will enjoy the multiplayer that much, so this lack of single-player offerings, it's just kind of... It's kind of killed my motivation to get the game, because there really won't be much for me to enjoy to it. Yeah, no, I think that's fair. Uh, Louise, is it true that in this game, uh, you play the soccer mode with your hands? <laughs> Yeah, that's. <laughs> I mean, they, isn't they say that like that's, the opposite of what you're supposed to do in soccer? Yeah, exactly. I mean, they, <laughs> you can you can play the shootout modes with the leg strap, where you can you can you can you can use your 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 legs and like you usually do. And they said that in an update, they they would make the 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 whole game work with the leg <laughs> strap, but I don't know exactly how that will work. I, I mean, I think it will be a little clunky. But I'm not uh, 100% on that. But, but it, it, it works really well with the, the hands. The only problem is that it is not as, as straightforward as the other sports. You cannot go to your grandpa or your dad and say, hey, play soccer, because it, 
it, it doesn't work like soccer actually works so it has that it is not as approachable as the others but it is really fun so i don't have a problem with that yeah it's it's definitely like intriguing to me that they haven't like they are going to bring in like a leg controlled soccer in a later date but yeah dennis to your point about the game maybe coming out too early like that seems like you're, you're putting a soccer and wii sports for the first time and like you're gonna add in leg-based soccer <laughs> as a patch you know yeah which is weird because you know if you buy a physical copy of the game it comes with the leg strap right but it seems like there's no real use for it at the moment so why even bother yeah <laughs> i know what's odd. what's i mean it's something that comes in the box but it, it's not that used it it's very weird i think yeah. I, I talk about that in the last podcast but this is the first game that nintendo is actually releasing the physical uh, this physical cartridge they are selling officially here in Brazil so that is really interesting because that's a game that I would like to buy uh, physical because it has the leg strap and beyond that another curious thing about uh, here in Brazil that's the second game in the history of Nintendo talking about consoles that it is fully translated uh, for Brazilian Portuguese the first oh, game wow. was Mario Party Superstars and now Switch Sports. And that's that's really nice, but those games that Nintendo has translated so far are games really not heavy on dialogue, you know? Like with Wii Sports, we have just victory or the numbers of the match or something like that. It's not something crazy. We are still waiting for a translation for Zelda, for Xenoblade, for that game that if you don't know how to speak in English, you really can't play the game because it, it isn't translated translated to Portuguese Brazilian so far but that's a uh, that's a, a, a good step uh, I, I hope that in the future Nintendo will translate other games to our language yeah as you've got my me rooting for that as well I, I think there's a lot of great Nintendo games that hopefully more people can play in the near future yeah. well um, there's there's a lot more we could talk about with this game um, I have heard that uh, nothing happens when you throw the bowling ball backwards anymore uh, <laughs> so I'm I'm very disappointed about that. You know, like in the original <laughs> Wii Sports. All right, can, can anyone confirm this for me? What happens when you throw the bowling ball backwards? Do the Miis still, like, lose lose it? I Honestly, now, from my experience, they just kind of drop the ball, and then a little message pops up. And oh. It's just like, hey, don't forget to hit ZR. <laughs> all right, well, whatever. And that's I've lost it. all interest yeah, in this game. Now. Sorry. To <laughs> all right, sorry. well, <laughs> moving on. Uh, here's something that... Uh, <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, uh, this is a game I'm actually very excited about that just kind of came out of nowhere this week. And uh, it, hear me out, folks. So it's uh, Disney Dreamlight Valley. And uh, yes, it is a, a Disney uh, free-to-play game. But uh, looking at this trailer, uh, this is like, it, it's, it's pulling something out of me, man. This is basically taking Animal Crossing's customization elements and uh, Stardew Valley's like farming and life sim elements and throwing it all together with Disney characters and um, really just like impressive, in my opinion, uh, really creative visuals. Um, I, I think the game looks great. Um, I'm a little wary about the fact that it's a free to play game, but for the time being, I, it just, it kind of came out of nowhere for me. And I'm like, oh, this looks really cool. Um, Dennis, are, are I, you excited about this game? 
Oh, very much, very much so. When the press release showed up in my inbox, I like it, like everything else was irrelevant to me that day because I just kept like looking at it and like reading the press release and watching the trailer and looking at the photos and everything like that. And I was just like, oh my god, like why wasn't something like this made sooner, right? Um, Disney has always had such an eclectic cast of characters that I think appeals to so many people and that we all grow up with, right? So it's interesting as to why Disney has never really dabbled more into the video game space. I mean, obviously they have, you know, collaborations with like Kingdom Hearts and then of course you have your, you know, now free to play mobile games and so on and so forth. And then there's Disney Speed Racer, I believe, something like that coming out uh, sometime this year as well. Um, yeah, Disney Speed Storm. Yeah, there we go. That's the one. And uh, and then they they used to have their own publishing label uh, as well. You know, they uh, one of my favorite. Uh, it, it's weird to call it a Disney game, but one of my favorite Disney games ever is a uh, uh, Pure, Pure actually, which was all kind of similar to MX versus ATV, but like mixed, but very arcadey, even more arcadey, and uh, just a fantastic, fantastic off-roading game. Um, but yeah, it's just weird that you don't see them utilize their properties, you know, in that sort of way when they have all these wonderful universes that could span into some of the most brilliant video games I feel so and instead I mean. you usually yeah and instead I feel like we usually get something that's a lot more shallow um, like you know there's been a few frozen games but one of them's like a match three and then the other one is whatever that Olaf thing is on 3ds I, I don't yeah, know what that is but not exactly like soon, barn festival <laughs> Yeah, yeah, oh, right. Yeah, of there's, course. There's How could you forget? <laughs> a classic. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, one that I did recently like, though, um, that we actually wrote a review for here was um, the Disney Magical World Two. Now that game oh, yeah. was absolutely fantastic because that one was very reminiscent of mm. Animal Crossing, even more so than uh, Dreamlight Valley, because with that one, you know, you could, but it put more of an emphasis on building a cafe, right? But you could go from kingdom to kingdom and sort of you gather these uh, materials and then from there you create these recipes and then you, but you get to meet people and you get to, you know, befriend them and you get to gift stuff to them and you go through the seasons and there are seasonal events, so on and so forth. A lot of the mechanics and foundation is very reminiscent of Animal Crossing. But Dreamlight Valley just kind of takes that step further and does it in such a beautiful way. I mean, the aesthetic of this game is fantastic. I mean, right away that was one of the first things I noticed was how, like, beautiful this game was. And um, even more importantly, how relaxing this game was because it is a life sim um, mixed with some adventure game elements. Uh -huh. So you want to make sure that you have that nice balance, right, of like something that is reminiscent of Animal Crossing, of Stardew Valley, or just simply The Sims, right? And um, have something that is engaging, but something that also feels personal, right? Like you want to feel like you're building your own sort of life within the game as well right you want to make your own farm you want to build your own house um, and you can have your own aesthetic which is great because you know just looking at it here i'm on the website now they have just thousands of cosmetic items right between just not only apparel but items that you can put just all over the place really so you can really build you know uh, you know this dream this disney dream life uh, uh to your liking and tailored to you and for you so uh yeah, yeah no it's, and, it's awesome. you know i've i've been reading up a little bit more about this game and um it's you know like again like i i've got like i'm not like a like crazy disney fan but like, i've got a soft spot for life sim games um especially ones that are doing something kind of different and sure. just reading some of the details that have come out about this game like there's just some little things 
in it that are just like interesting to me and like I'm like oh this will make me want to play it um some of the things that I have learned is that so this game does have like a real-time clock kind of akin to Animal Crossing so um if it's nighttime where you are it's nighttime in the game um it's you know it's got some familiar elements like you know you can go and visit a store um and you know various places around town um but it's it's apparently very easy to like move, move buildings around and it seems like they're um, taking like a bit more of a focus on like making the game easy to play. Um, like I read that like oh like the store and the restaurant like they'll be open twenty four seven, so you can kind of pick it up and play it at your leisure. You know, it's not like where you have to like wait for the real time clock to catch up. So, so it sounds like they've like looked at other games in the genre and they're they're trying to be like all right, well how do we like make a version of this game that takes together all this all these disney properties but also kind of like maybe even fixes some of the things that you know animal crossing may be a little more restrictive in certain areas so i'm excited to see how it comes together um louise nicholas are you guys you know interested in a the idea of a, a disney life sim is that something that appeals to you at all i mean it, it sounds good uh I'm also I agree with Dennis with the idea that Disney does not use their IPs enough in the in the in the console gaming uh, ground. We are seeing now they with the with that approach of free to play. But uh, I'm very curious about the game. One doubt that I have because I did not watch the trailer is that game a, a mobile game also or is it console only? Uh, it so, looks like it's coming to pretty much everything. So it oh, is coming okay, to okay. to mobile platforms, but it's also coming to all the consoles and PC. Mm. Yeah. Now, the interesting thing is also that even though it's free to play, um, you can actually play it early in two different ways, right? So the game is technically launching in 2023, free for all platforms. However, we can play it as early as the summer one of two ways, right? You can either buy the Founders Pack um, or be an Xbox Game Pass Ultimate member. Uh, which is great because uh, that's how I want to play it is through Xbox Game Pass. Yeah, that, that's um, make it easy. <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> exactly. Uh, but I also feel like it would be a great game for the Switch. So one thing I'm sort of hoping for when it does officially launch everywhere is we do have that cross-progression and cross-platform play if there is going to be multiplayer of any kind. Just because a game like this, I would like to... You know, again, I would like to get an early head start on it, either via Founders Pack on PC or just playing it through Xbox Game Pass. Um, but, you know, when it does come out on the Switch, I would love to play a game like that on the Switch. Maybe just relax, you know, maybe play a couple minutes before bed or maybe first thing in the morning before you start your day, you know. Um, yeah, it seems like a great start fit. over. Yeah. Uh, starting over for games like that drives me crazy, though, so hopefully that's not the case. <laughs> but, uh, but we're seeing a lot more games... Um, in recent years that are free to play that definitely prioritize that sort of cross progression and cross play. So I'm hoping that that's the case here as well. Yeah. What about you, Nicholas and any interest at all in Disney animal crossing? Um, probably not, but that's more so because I'm just not super invested into life sim style games. I only play maybe a handful every few years. Yeah, um, fair enough. It's interesting though. Like, as we've mentioned, this is kind of Disney starting to push a little bit more into the console space between uh, the earlier Disney Speedstorm that was announced, and this now. Uh, and hopefully they're able to do get something good out of it. It's an interesting venture that they're going through. It's, it's also a very interesting business model that they're going with this kind of early access uh, across all platforms approach. That's not something you usually see when it comes to consoles. 
Yeah, could, could go either way. I mean, you know, Gameloft does kind of have a reputation for churning out mobile games of varying degrees of quality. So there's definitely <laughs> the potential that this game will come out and just kind of be microtransaction filled and just not really fulfilling the play. But keeping my fingers hope- crossed for the best. Mm-hmm. But I would also hope that Disney being Disney, they don't want that sort of, they don't want their image to be tainted that way. You know what I mean? That they would they would step in and be like, look, we understand it's free to play. Yeah, we are well. trying to make money. But, you know, maybe, maybe you know, don't let's not put ads every 15 seconds. D- Disney know? has so. made plenty of questionable decisions in the past and not, no, in the not so recent memories. So. <laughs> yeah. So, fingers crossed. But, um <laughs> Well, uh, we've also got some some news, so we're going outside games for a little bit and venturing into the film world. Uh, The Mario movie, the hotly anticipated, uh, well, I don't know if it's hotly anticipated by everyone, but some people are very excited for it. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Mario movie was supposed to come out this year. It was recently delayed to 2023. Uh, I don't really have any strong opinions about this because I don't really feel like I'm like, like, really just wanting to go see Mario jump around in the movie theater, but um, I don't With know. Chris Nicholas Pratt's had... voice. Oh, yeah. yeah Chris Pratt. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> He's so cool. <laughs> I, I will say, I was I was watching that Nintendo Direct when they revealed the cast, and when they were like, okay, Chris Pratt is Mario, and then they just keep going down the list and just like, like every okay. role. <laughs> yeah, and Wait so casually too. Like it's no big deal. So casually, like hold on, we, we do need to talk about this. You can't yeah. just go, let's stop. Stop I mean, for a moment. Like, yeah. Each of the Keegan actors, Michael, uh, I need Keegan a time Michael for... Keegan-Michael is Toad. Like that's yeah. just crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <sighs> yeah, I, so I guess I, I have like this morbid curiosity about it. But you know, if, if a delay till next year is what it takes to just Really, for Seth Rogen to just nail that Donkey Kong impression, <laughs> I'm, I'm good with it. I have no, I mean, I promise you, Miyamoto probably saw it and was just like, "What, what is? Okay, no, we got to restart this. <laughs> we, 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 we're redoing this. They're restarting um, development. But, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> pretty much. Um, have you guys? Uh, not, not to get too sidetracked, but have you actually? Did you guys watch his sort of first foray into? films where he did those pikmin short films yes. a couple years back yeah. uh, those were actually really great those were really really great oh, every time someone say that the movie will be terribly bad i'll say that my my hope is that I think Miyamoto's involvement in the project, I think he's really uh, on the creative side. He's not just a producer, you know? I think he's really uh, giving some... uh, I mean, he's really being part of the process because for a while now, he he didn't work in any game. He's not a general producer at Nintendo anymore. If you look at the latest games that Nintendo has produced in the credits, it's it's always Shinya Takahashi as general producer, not Miyamoto anymore. So I think he re- mm-hmm. he's really on that part on the park also but also working on that movie and uh, I know that Illumination made some bad movies but the the technique that they use the the, anim- the actual animation of their work is is actually pretty good so my hopes that Miyamoto on the creative side and Illumination on the technical side at the end of the day things may work out but uh, with the cast, I really don't know how that will work. <laughs> I'm, I'm really <laughs> curious to see at least the trailer to know how it will work. Yeah, that's definitely going to be what gets people into the theaters. I really do think it's just this morbid curiosity about yeah. is this thing actually going to be good? Yeah, they, they are, they're going to have to be very, very careful with how they play this out just because, um, 
you know, it, it, like Louise was saying, I, I, I do think I have, I'm optimistic, right? Because Miyamoto is involved and he's not going to want, I mean, Mario's his baby, right? It's always been his baby. He doesn't want Mario to ever be misrepresented, right? So, it, you know, if the casting was done the way that it is, I'm sure it was done for a good reason. I, I'm sure they got his approval on everything. I, I doubt Chris Pratt just walked in. I would <laughs> hope he does some sort of voice, at least, some something to tweak his voice because from prior voice acting um, attempts from Chris Pratt. He's just sounded like Chris Pratt. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know, that's he what really you would expect. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, he hasn't really made much of an effort to sort of do an accent or, you know, sound just a little bit different. It just sounds like Chris Pratt being Chris Pratt all the time, right? And um, that's not going to work, I think, here with Mario. And I, I, I'm really hoping that uh, Miyamoto's involvement does sort of uh, push people to do... Um, their best, not sort of impression, because obviously with the cast that we see, you know, they're not. There's definitely not going to be a one-one sort of conversion. No, there. no, yeah. <laughs> but have something that is unique to them, but also something that makes sense, right? We're like almost like an alternative universe type thing, right? We're like it still works. It's a little off-putting, but you, but you're like, oh no, that actually works. And I think we always sort of immediately jump to, oh, this is going to be bad, but then we're sort of taken by surprise, right? Because when there's a lot of passion yeah. for a project like this, uh, it turns out really well, and this happens every time a superhero movie gets announced. I always use this as an, as, as an example, right? When Christian Bale got announced as Batman, everyone was just like, oh, no, I don't know yeah. about that. Then, then the <laughs> Batman movies came out. They was like, oh, my God, Christian Bale's incredible. Then when Anne Hathaway got cast as Catwoman, everyone was like, oh, no, I said, no that's not going to work out at all. <laughs> Tom Hardy is banged. Well, what, okay. what? No, not at all. Yeah, okay, no. but you're talking you're talking about like like real life like seasoned actors like taking on like don't take me serious like okay but we're talking like the the guy from Parks and Rec who does not have an Italian accent as far as no, I know. True. true. I mean, he's, true. I mean, but he, he's not a terrible actor. I wouldn't say no, he's no, he's no. Oscar uh, level Oscar, but I I think with a good direction. One example that I like to use in the Game Awards that proves that any concept can work if you really want it is the Mario plus Rabbits. I think if mm -hmm. that game came out and it, it, it actually came out good, I think any concept in the world can work if you really have a passion behind it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I mean, um, in general, getting... Nintendo just kind of has stayed away from these kinds of adaptations for so long. Like it's been so many years since the Mario movie. They were traumatized. Kind of yeah, like <laughs> with the nineties so, movie. <laughs> right, just the fact that they're kind of getting back into this and they're letting this yeah. happen. I doubt they would do that unless they have at least some confidence that it won't damage their brand in some way. Yeah, no, that's that's absolutely correct, and uh, I, th I think we're also getting to a good place now as well with video game adaptations, right? Where, like, the Sonic movies have been doing fantastic, right? Now, the initial <laughs> trailer, we all saw that abomination, right, of how yeah. Sonic initially looked. Uh, but thankfully, you know, they listened to the fans, and thankfully they actually had fans, you know, on the actual crew that, you know, that were like, okay, no, we do have to go back to the drawing board, you know, with this, because the suits up top were like, no, no, we gotta make it more realistic, but it didn't work. And then eventually they went back, they fixed it, and now Sonic 1 and 2 have been just box office hits, right? Detective Pikachu, even before yeah. that, really, really okay, solid but a, a box film. Office hit. Just, <laughs> a, a box office hit does not necessarily mean it's a good movie, right? Like people are gonna go That's see trash. it because they because they like Sonic. But I mean, man, like, the bar the bar for gaming adaptations is not the 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 high, right? Uh, no, Sonic is no, not, not a fantastic <laughs> movie, but it is it is serviceable. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, no, I mean, no one's going to choose Sonic over, you know, Toy Story, think, you <laughs> yeah, know, but, yeah. Uh, but yeah, no, I think we're just getting to a good place now where it's like, look, there, you need to sort of respect the legacy that these characters have, and so long as you have that respect sort of reflected on the screen, you're going to have something that is enjoyed by many, many people, many families, many individuals, and something that will end up being successful and appreciated true, so true. um so I'm, I'm hoping that that's the case here as well even though the cast is some of the oddest casting i've, I've seen in in years <laughs> if not ever <laughs> um I, I do hope that there's a, a reason why right i mean the, the, there has to be a reason why they were cast the way that they were cast so do, do you um, guys uh just a question do you guys think that if this movie ends up being a huge success let's say it ends up making more than, I don't know, 500 millions in the box office. If Nintendo will consider making, not exactly a shared universe, but movies for other franchises, Metroid, Zelda, if they Ooh. will enter, really enter into the world. Because it is a lot of money, and mm -hmm. Nintendo has a lot of IPs. Yeah, I mean, it's definitely something that they would consider at that point. I mean, there were, I think there were rumors earlier this year of a Zelda Netflix show being canceled or something. I would assume it's very, it's definitely something they're thinking about regardless, but I would imagine at the same time, they're kind of hesitant to be trying that with too many franchises. Like yeah. Mario is the poster boy. They can figure out what to do with it pretty easily. And they can trust like the Mario brand will carry it. Uh, but the further they stray from that, the probably the more effort they would have to put into it to make sure that it doesn't, end up being too different from the source material and end up just kind of crashing and burning that way. Yeah. yeah. I I would definitely, I mean, you know, if they if they put out a like a Metroid movie or a Zelda movie, like I'd go see it for sure. Um mm -hmm. but yeah, I think there would always be that part of me just just worried like, ah, oh, like what are they Because every video game movie that I've seen has not really I feel like <laughs> respected like the canon in the way that I would have wanted it to. Um, but I will, I will say, you know, if they put out a Kirby movie, I, I would, I would go see that. That's, oh, that would be the, it's a watch imagine, Kirby, imagine Kirby Ryan Reynolds voicing yeah. Kirby. Yeah. I, I learned recently <laughs> that there was, that there was a, there was a Japan exclusive Kirby anime and, uh, I really want to watch oh, it. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. was it, didn't it come to the West too though? Right back at you? Oh, did it? Did. Oh, yeah, maybe so, I'm wrong. Yeah. I was... Yeah. Oh, I, okay. Well, I am just clearly very out of touch, but it I has a dub at least. That. They released a few episodes. I know they, there were a few episodes included in the uh, the old 20th anniversary Wii game that they released, and I think they were. Oh, really? Yeah, I think they they have dubs for all the episodes, so I assume it released here at some point on cable. Oh, that's amazing! All right, I'm gonna have to do some more research about this. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, Mario movie delayed to 2023. Uh, we might get a trailer at some point, or Well, I'd be very surprised if we didn't get a trailer at some point. Uh, in other news, everyone who lives in North America uh, has been very lucky to have, back in the olden days, back in the Wii and the DS kind of era, there was this great program called My Nintendo. And they had a bunch of physical rewards for a long time. You could you'd buy a game at the store, you get a little voucher, you go onto the website, you collect your points, and you could get some pretty cool Nintendo exclusive stuff mailed to you. Um, and uh, That program has been been gone for quite some time. Pretty much when they launched the Switch, they they stopped doing physical rewards, and uh, they brought brought in some digital rewards for a little while. But you know, physical rewards 
They just kind of started coming back in the last year or so, I want to say. And um, just this last week, they announced, they were like, okay, well, we're adding, I thought it was pretty cool. They're like, we're putting in some Animal Crossing stuff. There's, now you can get Animal Crossing coasters, which some people are, I'm sure, like, oh, it's coasters. It's not that exciting. But, <laughs> you know, the people who, like, have this nostalgia for the old Nintendo program, it's, like, kind of cool. They're like, oh, we can get physical rewards again. Um, so I, I'm just curious. Um, well, so Louise, you guys don't really have like a phys physical rewards program in Brazil, correct? Yeah, because uh, it's really limited. I think the majority of the countries don't have actually. It's mostly in the US and maybe Canada. I don't know exactly. But uh, it's just so cool to see some of the, those rewards. I remember, I think in the past, there was one that was the Mario Kart trophy trophies. I'm not sure, but I think... Uh, they looked amazing, I remember seeing, and also I think there was one for Luigi's Mansion, which was like a, a little diorama, something like that, and I think those, uh, they, they, they really look amazing, it would be awesome to, to make that available for all country, countries, but uh, the logistics of it probably wouldn't make it worth it, because I think that Nintendo does this more for their, their loyal fan base, there's probably not a lot of... Uh, uh, it's not a, something that they they really receive a lot of money doing that. But I really like it. I always liked Club Nintendo, my Nintendo. I, I always participated in the way that I could about those those programs that Nintendo has offered. Yeah, it's um, it's I personally am very excited that they're bringing back some of the stuff. Um, and like some of the things that they have that are physical rewards nowadays are just like useful, like. There's one thing that you can, I think you can still get it, but it's a, um, it's basically, it's a Nintendo Switch game card case, just like a normal mm -hmm. sized case. There's a retail case, but it has 16 game card slots inside. So you can fit 16 game cartridges wow. in one Nintendo Switch <laughs> cartridge. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, but yeah, I think my, my big gripe with this program has always been like, it, it's like, it's kind of hard, like, you you don't really earn platinum points, uh, which is what you redeem for them in, like, the same way that you used to, so it's actually, like, unless you play a lot of Nintendo mobile games, it's, like, pretty hard to actually, like, save up enough points to actually earn these physical rewards. Although there have been the weekly missions, now that they added more stuff to Nintendo Switch Online, so that helps a little bit. Right, yeah, and, um, yeah, and I guess the other recent thing, too, is now you can use your switch platinum points to get um new icons for your switch users yeah those are a lot of fun i've been actually like redeeming a lot of those but yeah. it, but of course those have to have some sort of caveat right where you can't just take those frames and mix it in with already existing ones that you would get through your normal profile so if i wanted samus on top of like you know, a uh, uh, sort of Splatoon background that I just got through my Nintendo. I can't do that, right? Like, all the oh, icons, really? frames, yeah, it's ridiculous. And you can't even mix-match the games either, so everything has to stay within its property. So Animal Crossing characters, uh, frames, and backgrounds all have to be within Animal Crossing. You can't take an Animal Crossing Weird. frame and, you know, <laughs> yeah. put it with, uh, with, with, you know, what they currently have with a... Uh, uh, like like a Kirby icon, even though you got all that through my Nintendo, even that still has restrictions. So it's 
It's unfortunate. It's unfortunate. But uh, but it's fun though. It's fun customizing and you know seeing what they do offer and making your own sort of icons. I've I've been changing my icons almost every week because of it. You know, <laughs> uh, so it's fun. I've been enjoying it. I just wish there was more sort of freedom and flexibility to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. No, that's I, interesting. I, I, yeah, I, I love that kind of stuff. Now that uh, Dennis mentioned it, I don't know if you guys remember the the badge arcade arcades on the 3DS, which you could uh, have oh, those little keychains to personalize your 3DS menu. It was uh, it's something that at the end of the day is not that useful, but it's a lot of fun to use, and I think that the Switch really doesn't have a lot of personality in the system. So those those small things are also fun, are always fun. See, I agree. I agree 100%. That's always been my biggest thing is the personality, right? Where it's just like, I feel like the 3DS was just so much fun, even when you weren't playing games, right? Because yeah. you had the Street Pass, you had the badges, you had you had the themes, you had all of this stuff that you could do, and even just opening it because of the two screens, right? And like, everything about it was fun. Now it's just like, you know, I turn on my Switch, and I mean, it's a phenomenal console. It's arguably my favorite console ever, but like, it's, you know, I don't get that same sort of magical, I guess, feeling, you know, that I've got when I was playing on my uh, 3DS and even the DS before that, honestly. Um, I wish those badges would come back and have that sort of customization so you do have a console that's more tailored and personalized for you. I think it just makes it... That personal investment just creates much more of an emotional attachment, which in turn, I think, creates longer-lasting memories for when new generations, you know, come down the line. You'll always be looking back at that one generation, like, man, you know what? I had a great time with that console when that was around, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, these these physical rewards are kind of like, like I mentioned how uh, this, there's that like Switch 16 game carrying case. Well, they had one that was very similar in the 3DS era, and uh, I still have it sitting on my shelf, and I use it to store a bunch of my loose 3DS games. And yeah, whenever I pull it out, I'm like, oh yeah, this was like, this is like one of those things from like Nintendo's heyday that's like, one of these days, like this is probably gonna be worth something. Like this is like, you, you, when you get like one of these physical rewards, like you feel like you're getting like kind of a cool like collector's item, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I do want to mention uh, that there are physical rewards for my Nintendo stuff in Europe as well. Uh, it is oddly enough, it's a different selection from the U.S. stuff, and even though it's lacking a lot of the U.S. items, it actually has items that the U.S. store just doesn't carry. Like, I recently got an, uh, an Earthbound Beginnings notebook that you can get through my Nintendo, and it has, like, triangle strategy pins and stuff. Oh, that's awesome. Oh, that's awesome. cool. Yeah. That's cool. I wonder why they don't just make these things. I mean, I know there, I'm sure there's some kind of shipping or manufacturing yeah, constraint, but it is weird that they don't just make these things available everywhere. But Yeah. What do I want to collector's editions <laughs> also, right? Where it's just like, you know, Europe, you know, Europe will get a phenomenal collector's edition. Meanwhile, we'll get <laughs> just a base game by comparison, you know, or the rest of the world will, or, you know, or, or maybe Japan will get an incredible collector's edition. Maybe just the U.S. will get a great collector's edition. I don't know why they sort of, yeah, it's always been very know, segregate that. Like, do you know, yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. got a vinyl when it came, like, with the definitive edition? Uh, well, the definitive edition's Ooh. collector's edition got a vinyl in the in Europe and I think Japan, but in the U.S. it yeah. just didn't have that. <laughs> I'll never forget the two that I really wanted. Three actually that I really wanted the most. One of them was when the Hyrule Warriors initially came out on Wii U. Europe. Oh yeah. Sorry, not Europe. Uh, they actually. No, well, actually, no. This happened in all of Europe, but only in one place in the U.S. And the physical boxed copy of Hyrule Warriors actually came with a scarf, yep. a replica scarf that <laughs> Link was wearing. Yeah. Yeah, really nice. However, the only place you could get it here was at Nintendo New York. That's it. 
Ooh. That oh. is it. You, yeah, not sold anywhere in the U.S. except for Nintendo New York, and of course they had a limited amount there, right? Yeah. So, but otherwise, Europe, it was readily available. The second one was Majora's Mask 3D on 3DS, where Europe got a fantastic uh, figure of... Um, Skull Kid, I think. God. Uh, yeah, thank you, Skull Kid. I do yeah. remember so, this. And, uh, and that... that, that was something that I just I wanted so bad and I just never you know was able to get it obviously because of because of my you know what, where I was located so uh, and then the third one being uh, when Fatal Frame um, Made of the Black Shrine first came out on Wii U also uh, that had a fantastic physical copy known as Project Zero in Japan and Europe uh, a great physical copy that came with I'm trying to remember I think it was it was just a great box set. I can't remember exactly what came into it. Um, but it was an awesome box set that I really, really wanted. But over here in the U.S., we only got it digitally for some reason. And, of course, with the Wii U being region-locked at the time, right, there was nothing I could do about it. I couldn't import it and play it. I was just out of luck at that point. So, um, yeah, and there was a couple others, but those were, like, the three biggest ones mm -hmm. for me personally um, where I was like, man, just, like, <laughs> God, I want that so bad. But, unfortunately, I couldn't get it. Yeah, I actually have well, folks, the Hyrule Warrior scarf right next to me here. <laughs> Whoa! Oh, oh man, that's awesome. Man, it's really nice. How much, Nicholas? I'm very sorry about that. How much? I'm still in the market for it. that <laughs> much. Well, we uh, we don't have a ton of time left in the show, but there is one more news story I, I want to get to, just because it was definitely making the rounds um, this week. Uh, everyone probably remembers Ballad Wonderworld, uh, which of came course. out last year. How could you forget, man? Uh, <laughs> this game was was not really uh, loved critically, to put it nicely. Uh, my review was not very positive of it. Um, we have a three-point rating scale at uh, NintendoEverything.com, and I gave it a thumbs down. I, I, sometimes I wish there was a little more nuance, because there, there are some good things about the game, but overall it was, it was very disappointing uh, to a lot of people. Um, but the big story this week regarding this game that had dropped off most people's radar was uh, Yuji Naka, who was uh, one of the producers, oh, he was the lead producer uh, on the game. Uh, he had served as the director of Battle Wonderworld for a lot of its development. Um, but we learned recently that he was removed from his director position about six months before the game came out. Um, and he came out this week, basically, and was kind of trying to tell his side of the story. Uh, we only really have his side of the story. Um, and he kind of just came out on Twitter and said a bunch of things, but uh, I'm not going to read through everything he said because it was quite a bit, but the general gist of it was uh, he got in a disagreement with um, some of the other people involved in the game. Um, he, some of it seemed to be regarding the game's music, and there was a misunderstanding about some of the music used in some of the trailers, uh, which I, I didn't, doesn't seem like a huge deal to me, but I guess that was a factor. And then um, he, I guess, was outspoken about the poor quality of the game, um, and apparently that damaged some business relationships, and that is part of the reason why he was removed from the game, according to him. Um, but he said basically he was in the middle of like uh, court issues, you know, legal issues with um, Square Enix, and that was why he couldn't talk about this earlier. Um, but it's, it's interesting. We, we finally have at least some semblance of, oh, okay, so there may have been some internal uh, turmoil at Square Enix that resulted in this game maybe coming out before it was ready. Yeah, I, um, I actually played uh, my fair share of uh, Balan Wonder. I always want to say 
Wonder World. Is it Wonderland? Wonderland? Not it, Wonder it, Wonder it is, World. in fact, Wonder World. Yes. Yeah. It is. It is Wonder World. Okay. So it is. Okay. Cool. Because um, I always, I always mix those two, always, all the time. But um, I do actually remember reading your review, Nick, uh, which was a great review, by the way. Oh, thank uh, you. But it, it pretty much reflected immediately what I thought just by playing the demo alone. So I'm sorry you had to play the full build. <laughs> so it, uh, it was. It felt like a demo. I mean, it wasn't. <laughs> yeah, yeah it, it. You know, I the Switch version was an absolute mess, which is why yeah. I stayed away from it. Um, however, I, I did play the demo on the Switch before all the demos were subsequently taken down, but um, I inevitably got it on the Xbox because I was able to get a physical copy um, of it for for pretty cheap, maybe around like fifteen dollars um, around Black Friday last year, and. Um, I, I put a couple hours into it, and honestly, like, I didn't think it was the worst thing. Like, I have played vastly worse games than this. I think there was just a lot of sort of... <sighs> I, every once in a while, there is a game or a movie or any sort of property, a book, whatever, a song, that is the flavor of the month for what to sort of hate on, right? Now, some of the time, it's, it's deserved, right? Other, the time, I, I, other times, I feel like it's exaggerated. And this is sort of a weird in between where it's like it did deserve it, but it was exaggerated to a bit also because for me, I thought the level design was fine. I didn't really have much of a problem with the level design. Um, I think my biggest gripe with it was just how shallow it was because you did have that just that one button system of like literally any button you click on that controller will make you jump, <laughs> right? Like it doesn't matter <laughs> what button you press. Everything's a jump button. Um, could be the trigger, could be the bumper, could be Y, X. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It doesn't, everything's going to make you jump. Yeah. And Unless there's a costume which makes you unable to jump. Exactly. Uh, that was the worst. There, yeah. <laughs> there, there yeah. are so many, I think, just structural issues with this game that just made it just there not were. fun to play at all, in my opinion. Yeah. yeah and that's I, I, not even considering the technical issues with this I, game. I mean, uh, yeah. at the time the game came out, uh, I was working as a reviewer for a site here in Brazil, so I also wrote a review, Nick, for the game. If I'm not mistaken, I gave it a 4 out of 10. And, yeah, uh, that's about where I'd put it if yeah, we had a numbered scale. It was the, yeah. the, the Switch version, of course, and I played from the first level to the last. And uh, it is a game, it's a fascinating game because sometimes they make some decisions that are so outrageous that you are like, uh, it's not like a technical problem sometimes. It's just a design, a design decision that is so crazy. How do they think that this would was a good idea? But yeah. uh, while I was playing, I can't say that I wasn't entertain uh, entertained, because sometimes I was playing and it was so bad that was like, <laughs> was, uh, sometimes I compare it to another game that Yuji Naka uh, was in the development that is Sonic 06. And uh, sometimes uh, Sonic 06 has that vibe of being so bad <laughs> that sometimes it is quite entertaining to see the decisions that they... Because I think it is the ambition, because although the game is bad, there is ambition behind it. And I think that Balan Wonderworld actually has quite the interesting art direction. Yeah. So although everything is not quite well thought, the level design is not the best... Uh, you see that there's kind of a, a creator tr trying to make something, try to to give a, a personality to that project, but uh, yeah. the, the, it, the it final was, product is really weird. 
it was definitely an ambitious game, and I do get the sense that Yuji yeah. uh, Naka wanted it to be something a lot more than what it turned out. And I, I just wanted to read this this quote. Um, this was translated from his Twitter thread from this week. Uh, he basically said, uh, quote, It is such a shame that a project I worked on from the beginning has come to this. Personally, I think it is a real shame that an unfinished Ballad Wonderworld has been sent out into the world. I wanted to release it properly as a carefully made action game. I don't think that Square Enix or Arzest are companies that care about games or fans. It's quite yeah, the statement to make. Yeah, yeah, the weird part is that Yuji Naka was promoting the game at the time of the release, so that's really weird to me if at the time he was already aware that the game was not that good or he had to do that because some contracts, I don't know, but mm -hmm. it's really weird to see him saying that now and to be completely honest, uh, Arzest is not the best developer out there. They made Hey Pikmin and New Yosh Island and <laughs> Yuji Naka also does not have the best history with 3D platformers. So I don't know if there's a version of this game which is actually a, a way better than what we received, you know? Maybe this, this confusion yeah. on the background mm -hmm. uh, made the game have some technical problems, maybe it was a little rushed, but I don't think there's a, a version of this game which is actually a great experience. Yeah. I right. Mean, in general, like, if he was pulled off the project six, six months before the game released... That's a considerable amount of time, but it wouldn't be enough to change yeah. some of the core fundamental gameplay choices. Stuff like everything having one button, or how costumes work and whatnot. It could definitely lead to the game being more unpolished, but I don't think some of the, like, arguably bad design decisions would have been something that would have changed anyways. I agree with you. Yeah, six months out to release, you know, even if that was... That may have been the point where he was removed, but you know most of the game is is done at that point. You're, in theory, you know that's usually when things are being polished up, and you know yeah. <laughs> clearly that didn't happen with this game. Um, but <laughs> yeah, and and again, you know we are only really getting one side of the story. Um, Square Enix hasn't really commented on any of this, and I don't really expect them to. And you know, for I think it is worth mentioning that like he also he says. You know, he was removed from this project by, it was like four or five people. He was like HR and the producer. Yeah, that was weird. That's very sus. He has a reputation for being a bit abrasive, if I recall. He's had a few incidents yeah. in the past with that. Yeah, I, I definitely get the vibe that there could be a little bit more to the story, so I don't want to pass total judgment, but... Mm -hmm. um, yeah. It's just weird to but, see this, this game of all games come back into the headlines in 2022. <laughs> True. <laughs> yeah. um, I, but I think just to kind of give what he's been saying some weight in regards to Square Enix, I mean, they have, over the last, I mean, I don't want to say a couple of years, really over the last decade, really, um, ever since they started, well, it, it, this is just a problem with them. This is a problem with gaming as a whole, where ever since the industry started putting more emphasis on live service games and whatnot, and mobile games, Square Enix in particular has been kind of all over the place, right? They have a lot of quality titles, but then they have a lot of not-so-quality titles. And over the last couple of years alone, we've seen Octopath Traveler, Traveler Triangle Strategy, uh, Dragon Quest XI, um, Neo, The World Ends With You, a Final Fantasy VII Remake, all exceptional games. But then also within that same time frame, we've also seen Left Alive, Chocobo GP, The Quiet Man, Balan Wonderworld, right? Chrono Avengers. <laughs> Recently, Babylon's <laughs> yeah. Fall. Oh my god, yeah, that mess. Yeah, oh, yeah. No, that's a good point. Jesus. 
Oh, yeah. Which so, interestingly like, was also contracted to another studio. Yeah. Similar to Arzest, but. Yeah. Platinum so Games it's, made it's that all one. over the place. Yep. 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 They did. And, and it's it's weird because Platinum Games, usually I associate them with quality, personally. I love Platinum Games. But, oh, for sure. You know, but Babylon's Fall, I don't know if it was at the fault of Square Enix or just misdirection or, or, or what was going on. But, you know, I think it's, you know, it's weird. It's almost like there is no in between, right? You either have these incredible games from Square Enix or you just have these, oh my God, what happened? <laughs> you know, uh, over the last couple of years anyways. And it just kind of makes you question what's going on and why they're putting so much priority on some games over others. Because I think at the end of the day, you know, there's people that you do have a market for these games, but you're not going to if you treat these games like crap. You know what I mean? So like Chocobo yep. GP, <laughs> I feel like could have been a big hit. But and because of all the microtransactions and the season passes and the absurd sort of mithril uh, uh, crystals and, and whatnot that they have in there, it's just like this plays and looks just like a free-to-play mobile game. And yet for some reason I'm paying almost as much as Mario Kart 8 Deluxe on the same system that it's exclusive on. Are you kidding me? Yeah. Like, that's that just seems like a mess to me. So. Nah. Yeah. Yeah, there's certainly not, not a lot of patience nowadays for these games that come out. And it's, you know, you, you put out something like Balan Wonderworld or... Chocobo GP, and uh, you know, even if you go down, going down the road and fix things, you've you've kind of already left that that sour taste in the mouths of gamers, exactly. and so it's yeah, it's maybe too a little too late. But I, I'm I this is one of those stories where I feel like you know down the road we're probably gonna get get the full story about the development of this game, and uh, I for one will be very curious to read about it. <laughs> All right, well, that just about wraps up our show for the week. Uh, but before we say goodbye uh, for another long seven days, uh, roughly, <laughs> um, just want to ask our favorite question, what has everyone been playing? Uh, Nicholas, let's let's start with you. What have you been playing this last week? Um, so very excited that I finally completed Xenoblade 2. Put uh, my nose wow. through the grindstone, wow. and yeah, that's congratulations. done. Congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, challenge mode was a real struggle for Bringer of Chaos, but now that's done, and I can just wait for Xenoblade 3. The Now, Nicholas, when you yeah. say you finished Xenoblade 2, did you also finish the Torna DLC? Yeah, so, funnily enough, I actually completed the Torna DLC last year? Actually, maybe actually two years ago. I did that a while, okay. since it was a bit shorter. Um, but yeah, this was... This was going to be a bit more of an investment, which is why I hadn't gone into it right away, but it's finally done. And now that it's done, um, thinking of what else to play, this is probably not the best decision, but the the thing that comes to mind that I want to play through next is Octopath. So I'm going oh, to be no. going from like a 100-hour RPG to like a 90-hour RPG. Perfect. Nicholas, I think you I think, <laughs> you, I think you might need an intervention. This is this seems unhealthy. <laughs> no, it's it's perfectly balanced. Go <laughs> on. <laughs> yes. I don't I don't know how you do it, man. I wish I had the drive to play through these massive RPGs. I, just, I can't do more than one or two a year. Yeah, it's really tough liking RPGs because I mean, like you said, it's it's such a time investment. I, you can't just do it like casually. Unless it's like a, I don't know, I guess Live Alive is coming out and that'll be like 20 hours apparently. But for the most part, you are you get to an RPG, you are dedicating probably 50 hours minimum. Yeah, it's Nicholas, a commitment, for sure. <laughs> Nicholas, did you did you get all the blades in Xenoblade 2, yes. including Elma, Cosmos? Yep. <laughs> oh, yeah, God. all the blades, uh, max level, all the driver skills, all the challenges, Man. all the quests, all the merc missions. 
it's, it's a lot. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wow. See, I've this is a game with a gacha one. system. It's not easy to make 100%. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's crazy. I've only ever done that with, like, I think one RPG where I absolutely 100%ed it front to back, and all it became was a paperweight afterwards, was bra the first Bravely Default on 3DS. I oh, spent 120 yeah. hours, I did everything, everything. I was addicted to that game. Everybody, job level 99, all jobs, everybody was max level, everybody was just, I got all the weapons, just everything I could possibly get, did all the quests, main quests, side quests, uh, everything. I mean, th there was literally nothing for me to do in that game anymore. It became a paperweight <laughs> after that. Yeah, like, yeah Bravely was so much uh, fun. Oh, that, that, that's impressive. I think the only JRPG where I kept playing after finishing it, it's, but because the the after you finish the game, there's more amazing content. Is Dragon Quest Eleven? I don't know if you guys actually played it, but that's a game yeah. where to get all the story, you have to make more than just the main story. It's it's mm -hmm. really amazing what they did with the game. All right. Well, Nicholas, congratulations on beating Xenoblade Two again. I should emphasize. <laughs> Thank you, <laughs> uh, Louise. What have you been playing? So I've been playing mostly Switch Sports, as I've been playing casually on the online modes with friends, and as I said, I've been having a lot of fun. But I also uh, started the Octo, or Ex Octo Expansion uh, from Splatoon 2, because Nintendo oh. uh, gave us in the, in the expansion pack, so now I can actually play it. And uh, I've been having a lot of fun. Actually, uh, it's been a while since I I've been, uh, I I did not play Splatoon 2 for a couple of years, I think. And now I've returned. I've, I'm playing Octo Expansion, but also some ranked matches. And uh, it's really cool. Uh, in, in, instead of the, the usual model of uh, levels in the main story, you have challenge. So there's actually a lot of gameplay variety in the Octo Expansion. And I've been really enjoying that. And also the writing in the, the DLC is really good because there's an extra where you can see like a Discord conversation be, uh, between some characters like uh, Pearl and Marine. And it's just amazing the writing. They use a lot of slang. It's just really cool. Yeah, I've heard it's it's in terms of single player content, it's like very substantial and adds adds some interesting lore to the broader like Splatoon yeah. universe. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's a, a really great fantastic. Expansion. Yeah, it's it's a fantastic single player expansion. It really makes me hope. Uh, really makes me optimistic for Splatoon three and that they're going to further expand the single player oh, with yeah, that because true, man, true. it was just so good. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's great. Yeah, I haven't uh, checked out that expansion yet, so I'll, I'll have to get on that now that it's on Switch Online. Um, Dennis, what about you? What have you been playing this last week or so? Yeah, so uh, I've kind of been going back into uh, my backlog a little bit, and uh, even though I played like halfway through it, I just kind of fell off, but now I'm jumping back into it, which is um, the uh, Famicom Detective Club Um but uh, I, I had originally yeah. beat, beaten uh, The Missing Air, so uh, I beat that last year, but now I'm playing uh, The Girl Who Stands Behind. That's the one I'm currently playing. And, uh, man, those are fantastic visual novels. I mean, if, if you're a fan of visual novels, these are, like, some of the best I've ever played, not only because of their stories, but just because of how, like, just how uniquely that they're you know you you play them like the gameplay is so unique because it's not just a visual novel certainly not a kinetic one where you just you know press a and then you move on to the next line of dialogue right like this is something where you do have to actually feel like a detective and do detective work even more so than something in say ace attorney because you know you're having to 
uh, talk to people, investigate your surroundings, um, show people evidence, and which you do in Ace Attorney. But the way Ace Attorney does it is a little more linear. And in this regard, there's so many different... In Famicom Detective Club, there's so many uh, intricate ways in how you can go about uh, getting the information that you need. And then not only that, but traveling from place to place. And you are uh, in modern-day Japan as well. And uh, all the renderings, the illustrations are just beautifully, beautifully done. Oh, it's, it's a gorgeous fantastic. Game. Yeah, oh, absolutely. It is just a fantastic, fantastic game. And I ha hadn't personally heard about it. I didn't realize it was a remake of uh, uh, the NES games of the same name. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, it's, it's just brilliant, brilliant visual novels. And if you're a fan of murder mysteries or just visual novels in general, do yourself a favor and check it out because it really is uh, fan fantastic. It makes yeah, me sad I'm... that Nintendo didn't follow up with more visual novels after those ones. Because, I mean, in the NES era, they made those games that are, are pretty, pretty advanced for the time. Because uh, oh, yeah. there's a, a lot of uh, the story, that there's a lot of options and all those interactions that you have. is not the, uh, the usual visual novel where you're only watching those characters speaking. I was really happy to see the those remakes, and I I really I really want to play those games. I I had forgot about them. Now now that Dennis mentioned it, I remembered. I I really have to buy them. Yeah, yeah I can't recommend them enough. I reviewed both of them when they came out, and uh, man, like I could not put them down. Like I found those stories super compelling, and yeah, like you said, Dennis, the actual like you really do feel like you're solving this mystery, like more so than than pretty much any other visual novel type yeah. experience that I've played. Like, you really feel like you are the person solving this mystery, which is just so satisfying. And the, yeah, they're, they're gorgeous. I, I can't recommend them enough. Yeah, and, and just like Luis said, I, it was actually one of the first things I said after I beat uh, The Missing Air, which was like, why doesn't Nintendo do more visual novels? Clearly they have the talent for it. This is fantastic. You know, I want more visual novels like this, please. It's so good. Yeah, and if I'm not mistaken, those were written by Sakamoto which uh, still directs the Metroid games. So he could make a new one. <laughs> oh, yeah. Absolutely. Really? I didn't know that. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, yeah, like you, Dennis, I've been kind of working my way through my backlog. In between, in between reviewing games, I try and go back and like finish some of the things that I've put down for a little while. And um, I, a couple years ago, I started playing through all of the Yakuza games, and I'm currently on Yakuza 5, which uh, I don't know. I, I think Dennis, I know you're familiar with the series, but um... I have played every single one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, and I binged um, three, four, five, and six about a year and a half ago. Yeah. Okay. Uh, for a, a, we marathoned it up to the release of Yakuza Like a Dragon. So yeah, I'm, I'm a big fan of those games. Yeah. Yeah, Yakuza Five, man. Like, so I I've been enjoying the games for the most part, but I was not like the, Yakuza 5 is just a massive game like for those who aren't familiar with it this game takes place it's got five different playable protagonists and it takes place across like four or five open world cities <laughs> it is just a massive game um, and I am only Whoa. I want to say like halfway through it yeah so I've got quite a bit of work ahead of me but um, it's really compelling though it's the Yakuza games like they have very convoluted stories, and they can be a bit hard to follow if you're, like, not very familiar um, with like how these, how the Japanese yakuza works in real life. Um, but the fifth game, I think, does a really good job connecting to previous games in the series, and um, the stories had me hooked so far, even if it's a little slower. Um, <laughs> I, so 
not I don't think this is a huge spoiler, but uh, about halfway through the game, uh, you start playing as Haruka, which she is. You know, this game franchise is mostly about these like grizzled, manly like yakuza gangsters fighting each other in the yeah. streets and throwing bicycles at each other, just totally absurd. <laughs> and then like halfway through this game, you take over as Haruka, which is uh, the main protagonist's like adopted daughter of sorts, and. All of a sudden, it turns into like a like rhythm game where you're like basically playing her like music career, Man. and uh, you're That's like amazing. managing her career as an idol. Yeah, it's totally bonkers, but uh, a lot of yeah. fun. I've always so. wanted to play this series just because of the memes. I saw so many memes; <laughs> it seems to be so much fun. So, but there's so many of them. It's like uh, I I just don't don't start playing because I think, oh my god, I have to play all these big JRPGs. Yeah, like eight. It's like, yeah, it's like start to. Uh, it's like someone recommends me One Piece. I think, man, I would never stop <laughs> watching if I start right now. <laughs> Well, you could, uh, you could if you're new to the series, you can start with the newest mainline game, um, Yakuza Like a Dragon, because that has... Oh, I heard about the one. Totally new cast of characters, so... Oh, interesting. Um, you can okay. jump in fresh with that one, yeah. Is that one but on I the Game Pass yet? It is. Already? It is on Game Pass. Oh, great, great. I, I have a hunch... It, it's been on there almost a year, though, so I have a hunch it might leave in, in June or July, but yeah, so you probably. might want to pick it up soon. Yeah. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, I'll try. <laughs> <laughs> That's another one of those massive games that could suck up a lot of your life, Louise, so be, be careful. Oh, interesting. <laughs> <laughs> all right, folks. Well, that just about wraps up our show for the week. Um, if you made it all the way to the end of, the, of this episode, you are an MVP. And thank you so much for listening. Uh, this has been episode six. Uh, if you like the show, tell your friends and uh, drop us a line. Uh, our show email is in the show notes. Uh, I will say, you know, I, I check it every week. We're always... Look, and if, if you submit a listener question or a listener topic, you will be one of the few, and uh, there's a pretty good chance we might want to talk about it on the show. So, so light up our inbox. We are, we are ready to hear what you think of the show, uh, and if you have anything interesting, yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, and uh, that's just about it. So uh, we will be back next week with more Nintendo news and games and everything going on in the world of Nintendo. Uh, thank you so much for joining us.